you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. I'm going to take your attention to a couple of scriptures tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. And um, then I'm, I also want to, I really want to begin tonight with Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 10. And if you can put Proverbs 13.10 on, the, script, on the, the screen, I'm going to start there as I begin to talk to you about what I believe is a very important lesson uh, for, for each of us. This is a subject, I'm going to talk about forgiveness tonight, and uh, the lesson of forgiveness is something that we must continually work and practice into our lives. Uh, it's if we if we take our focus off of forgiveness, uh, we can very easily um, get caught up in things that will hinder our walk with the Lord and our relationship with God. And so, uh, forgiveness, prayer is one of those things that you must constantly work on. How many of you know you can never let off of prayer? If you take your focus off of prayer, you'll stop praying. If you're not, you've got to constantly be challenging yourself. People say, well, why in the world, Pastor? Why do you always push for prayer and push for fasting? Because the moment that we let off of pressing for those things, there's some things you have to press toward. And to press toward the mark, you've got to press. Prayer is something you have to press for. And I believe that forgiveness is also one of the things that we must constantly be striving and pressing and working toward. So I want to take your attention first to Proverbs chapter 13. I didn't plan to read this until I was here on the front row tonight. And uh, the scripture came to mind. And so I want to use this tonight starting into our, our subject. Um, Proverbs 13.10, I believe, gives us some insight into many, many conflicts that we have in our own lives, in, particularly in relationships with others, whether it be in the church, in our family, in our mar marriage, in our home, among friends, at work, at school. Proverbs 13.10 is, is one of those scriptures that just absolutely um, needs to be uh, memorized and put at the forefront of our thoughts every time that we begin to deal with conflict. I want you to read it out loud with me if you would. Only let me ask you, only by pride now, let me ask you, if the Bible says only, does it mean only? Does it mean there's three or four other ways that pride? Only by pride. There is no other way. There is no other way. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. There is no other way for there to be conflict and contention except by pride. I wish the whole church was here. You need to be texting all of the Sunday only crowd telling them you need to be here on Wednesday nights. Because I'm talking to this whole congregation tonight when I began talking about this, this idea only. Everybody say only. Only by pride cometh contention. If we control pride, there will not be contention. There'll be no contention in your home if pride, if pride is conquered. There'll be no contention in your work relationships if pride is, is conquered. Only by pride cometh contention. Every time there is a conflict, 
there is this scripture always come to, comes to mind because the first thing we have to conquer in our life is pride because contention is birthed out of pride and pride is the only thing that will birth contention. Only by pride come of contention. Now why is this important? Now I want, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a look into Ephesians chapter 4 and I want you to see what the Apostle Paul deals with and what he talks about. Ephesians chapter 4 and I'm going to read a few verses through here. Let's start with verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 4. That ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man, which is corrupt. Talk back to me a little bit tonight. Let me know you're awake out there. That ye put off the former conversations the old man. The old man is the man before Christ. The old man is the man before repentance and baptism. We have to put off the old man because the old man is what? Is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We got to put him off and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Let me help you just a little bit. Anger is a human emotion that is not sinful in of itself. You can be angry without sin. If I walk down to where you are and I stomp your foot real hard tonight and, you, and I have no reason to do it other than just because I want to be difficult and I stomp on your toe tonight, you're going to get angry. It's all right to get angry. Things happen in life, you get angry. But sin not. Now why would the Bible talk about being angry, but then tell us it's okay to be angry, but, but don't sin with anger? Because there are responses to anger that are easily sinful. It is all the works of the flesh. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, everybody say bitterness. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. You see these things all kind of run together, right? Be put away from you. With all malice, verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So the very purpose of us being kind one to another, being tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Now we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of forgiveness because forgiveness is a word that we use a lot and it's a word that we've learned to love and we've learned to hate. It's, it's a tremendous grace as it regards what God has done with our confessed sin. When we go to God in prayer, it is God. Only God can forgive sin. And so God forgives our sin. When God forgives our sin, it is like He presses the delete button on His heavenly computer and we no longer are held accountable for the sin because we have asked for forgiveness and God forgives. But there is a facet of forgiveness that is more difficult to deal with. And that's when God asks us to forgive. And this is what I want to deal with tonight. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about how we handle forgiveness. 
because God asks us, requests of us, makes a commandment to us to forgive. And he says, forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive those who trespass against us or for those who do us wrong, for those who do us evil. How many of you, now when I start talking about forgiveness tonight, it's real easy for us to say, well, I, I forgive everybody and, and, and all the above. Let's, let, let, me, let me take a minute and uh, take the, uh, the prod of, of memory and reach into each of your lives for a moment tonight and stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. How many of you have ever been hurt in life? You've been hurt by others. You ever been hurt by words that's been spoken? See, the old, the old statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that was a lie. Because words do hurt. You ever been hurt by things that people have done to you? Have you ever been hurt by things that happened to you that you never asked for? You didn't do anything to cause it. It's as if life just happened. Things just happened. And you wonder why did it happen. You get a diagnosis and you're like, hey, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Problems come into your life and you're like, I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't bring this on myself. My, my mother died of cancer. She never smoked a day in her life. She never drank a day in her life. It would be real easy for us to find things that happen dealing with situations that are completely out of our control. Raising a handicapped child that has done nothing wrong and the parents live godly and righteously. And then we deal with the pain and the hurt that is connected. These things bring hurts. They bring pain. They bring, it's real easy for us. It's real easy for us to talk about forgiveness. But it's another thing for us to forgive. It's easy for us to ask God, God, would you forgive me for the things that I have done? It's real easy for me to go to Brother Danny and say, Brother Danny, forgive me for what I said, for what I did, for the way I acted, for stomping on your feet. It's easy for me to go and say that and then expect him, because I, I ask for forgiveness, so then I must ex I expect him to forgive me. We ask God and say, God, forgive me, and we are expecting God to forgive us. Because his word says, he is faithful and just to forgive sin. So it's easy for us to ask for forgiveness but it's not always easy for us to give forgiveness. We want for ourselves what we're not willing to give. Unfortunately, forgiveness does not work that way. Because forgiveness, how we receive forgiveness is connected to how we give forgiveness. I'm going to try to walk through here in, in Scripture here in a few minutes. We, we talk to people about forgiving and forgetting. There are things in life that, that I wish I could forget. Anybody, anybody got some things in your life you, you wish you could forget? Some things that have happened to you. I've been hurt by people. I've had things said to me. I've had things done to me. I've had willful acts that have hurt me that have caused pain and anguish in my life. I'm not alone. I've walked through some dark valleys and dark trials, carrying pain. Even as a minister, even as a pastor, I've been hurt and walked to this pulpit and preached messages and trying not to allow the hurt to show through. But I'm, I'm limping when I walk to the pulpit because of something that I have dealt with the previous week or that day or 
before service or something somebody said or somebody did or a way somebody acted or something something that I found out that is difficult and, and we're hurting and we're dealing with pain. But I'm not alone. I can't stand here and, and, and come and, and say, well, I, I'm, I'm going to have a bad attitude tonight because I'm, I'm hurting. Because you've all been there. We've all been there. We've all felt that pain. We have all dealt with that anguish. We have all walked through the valleys of, of unforgettable experiences that have brought pain and anguish in our life. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, the third chapter, Mark, there are times, there are days that I feel like maybe the Apostle Paul had something that I don't have. I'm wanting to forgive. I'm wanting to let it go, but I'm struggling with it. I'm, I'm dealing with the pain and the anguish. Every step, I'm feeling pain. Every, every, talking about that individual, it's, it's, ah, it's painful. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm suffering from it. Was the Apostle Paul empowered by something greater than we have? Did he literally have the ability to wipe his internal memory card clean and say, I don't even remember what happened to me? I doubt that. I doubt the Apostle Paul had the ability to not feel the pain of, of hurt in something that happened to him. This is the same Apostle that also said the things that I would do, I do not, and the things that I would not do, that's what I end up doing. I think it makes it clear that the Holy Spirit within him was no different than the Holy Spirit that's within us. The Apostle Paul had nothing that, that we are lacking. It's the same apostle, apostle that said, stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. So neither did he have a memory problem. Maybe forgetting isn't about being absent-minded. When we talk about forgiveness and we're like, well, I've forgiven, but I'm not forgetting. Forgiving and forgetting is not one and the same. Now, if you'll, if you'll stay with me tonight, I'm going to help some folks that need this lesson that I'm teaching tonight. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Maybe forgetting isn't about being absent-minded at all. But forgetting may be a choice of not allowing a continuing cycle to happen where we are responding to the things that we're dealing with. I talked to somebody this past week. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with anguish. They're dealing with hurt. And in speaking to them, they were speaking their anguish and their pain. And I tried to help them. I'm not sure that I did, but I was trying to help them understand that reliving and rehashing and going back through the same problem and talking about the same thing over and over and over and over again is never going to bring healing to the pain. Can I get a witness in this house tonight? When you're dealing with pain, there may be a season that you need to talk through it. There may be a season that you need to rationalize it. But you need to work toward keeping that season very short. Can I help somebody tonight? You need to rationalize it in your mind and understand the longer that I keep stirring this, the more that it's going to bring pain into my life. The longer I stir the pot the longer it's going to take for me to ever get out the other side of it. I've poured a little bit of concrete in my day and people fail to understand. You ever see a cement truck going down the road and it has the big barrel drum on it and you notice that drum is rolling as it's on its way to a, to a job and it's, it's rolling and when it gets to where they're going to pour the concrete, they, they keep that barrel rolling there's a reason because as long as they keep that, that concrete moving, it will not set up. But when they pour that concrete out onto a flat surface or put it into a wall and it gets steel for a few minutes, it begins to firm, it begins to harden. 
it changes consistency. Here's the issue with pain and anguish and hurt that you have in your life. The longer that you keep bringing it up and you keep talking about it and you keep hashing it over, you can hash the same thing over and over. You can keep that same cycle of just turning that hurt, that pain, that anguish, talking about it, bringing it up, dealing with it over and over and over and over and over. And as long as you're willing to keep the drum turning, The pain is going to always be there. You have to reach a point that you decide, I'm taking this to God in prayer. And I'm putting it at the feet of Jesus. I'm laying it down at the altar. I'm taking it to the foot of the cross. And I'm putting it there and I'm leaving it there. Wait, does that mean that I I, I don't remember it any longer? I've shared this with you before and I'm going to say it again. There are some things in my life that brought, brought, has brought great pain and people can come and say, Pastor, do you remember when so-and-so happened? Do you remember when so-and-so said this or did this or acted this way? And I have to reach a point where I say, no, I remember forgetting that. Is the memory there? Of course it is. But I'm not going to rehash that. I'm not going to relive that. I'm not going to keep stirring that in my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to take that to the foot of the cross and I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to let God deal with it and allow God to handle it because the battle is too great for me. Here is why we keep the, the cycle of the pain and the anguish. Just the, the reason we, we, we keep the drama going, we keep the problem stirring is because in in the core of our human flesh is the desire to be vengeful, to return pain for pain, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. There's the desire for us to find a way to regain control to make sure that whatever hurt us is going to hurt the same way. As a matter of fact, we want, it, we want that individual to hurt worse. We want what they said about us. We may not say the same thing about them, but we want to damage their character to where it's more damaging than the hurt that they did to our own character. The thing that happened to us, we want, we want to find more people to feel sorry for us because something just happened to us that, that, and we want to just tell our story over and over again and relive it instead of forgiving it and allowing it to go. Pastor, you telling me I've got to forget? No, I did not say forget. Understand that forgetfulness in our mind's eye, forgetfulness in the way that of, in, the, in the thought process of human, in, human reasoning is the inability to be able to recall an idea. But forgiveness, forgiveness is a decision or a choice to lay something to rest and to say, I'm putting it at the, in the hands of the Lord. I'm, I'm laying it down at the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to relive it. I'm not going to rehash it. I'm going to allow God to handle it from here. There are reasons that God commanded us to extend forgiveness to others. And believe it or not, God isn't trying to persecute us But actually, God is trying to bless us. Here is the most important reasons I believe that the Bible commands us to forgive. First of all, God is preventing forgiving, is is prevented from forgiving us if we refuse to forgive others. Let me say that again. God's hands are tied. I want you, to, I want you to, to take a look at this. Jesus said, if ye forgive men when they sin against you. Let this set in for a minute now. 
If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Matthew chapter 18. Peter comes to the Lord and said, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Jesus said, if you forgive men when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father is bound by his word to also forgive you. But, verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. There's a pretty good reason to forgive. I can tell you how you're going to receive forgiveness, however you forgive. If you withhold forgiveness from others, the Lord's not going to forgive you your sin. Can this settle in just for a moment? Somebody says, well, when I get before the Lord on judgment day and I want to know how he's going to judge me and how he's going to look at me, if I understand the scripture right, he's saying, I tell you how I'm going to forgive you according to the way that you forgave others. Because the same measure in which you have given forgiveness to those that sinned against you, to those that said something against you, to those that hurt you, to those that brought pain in your life, the way that you forgive them is the same way that your heavenly Father is going to forgive you. I remember one time, I remember one time my, my mother was dealing with a very, very difficult situation, very painful, and it involved, it involved her, her kids. I was little, and my siblings were older, I think teenagers or young adults, because I'm the baby of the family, and they were much older than me. And I remember dealing with this situation. It was very, very painful. And being the baby and being at home, I would hear the conversations. And I didn't understand all the details of what was going on, but there was a lot of pain. And I remember one time my dad said, well, what we need to do is we need to pray. And my mother said, you're right, let's pray right now. And my mother started praying and she said, God, I want you to give this lady a stroke. (laughs) I'm just being real with you tonight. I I don't think that's what my dad had in mind. Unfortunately, two days later, the lady had a stroke. (laughs) Lord have mercy. We have to be careful because sometimes we pray amiss. I'm not sure that mother prayed a stroke on this lady. Maybe she did. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I can't quite decipher through all of that because I don't really believe that that, that spirit and that attitude was right. But there was a hurting mama, and she she kind of responded to my dad's my dad's sanctimonious approach to let's pray about this. To, okay, let's pray. Give her a stroke. That's not forgiveness. What forgiveness is is saying, God, don't lay that to their charge because I don't want you to lay all the hurts that I brought in other people's lives. To their charge. So God is prevented from forgiving us if we if we refuse to give others, forgive others. So this is that's the first reason I believe that the Bible commands us to forgive. Here's the second reason. People that do not forgive others will live a life that is plagued with misery. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write some of these down because you need to go back to this. Unforgiveness prevents spiritual rest. Get this. The Holy Ghost, which is the rest. The rest wherein he would cause the weary to rest. He's given us the Holy Ghost. 
But the Holy Ghost cannot do the work that it is supposed to do in our life if we refuse to forgive others. It prevents spiritual rest. It will prevent, it will hinder our worship. It will impede our prayers. You simply won't be able to shake that constant inner gnawing if you bear grudges and refuse to forgive others. I could preach to you and talk to you tonight a little bit from experience. I, I've, I've held unforgiveness in my heart against someone or something, some hurt. Oh, and listen, listen, listen. We can forgive it. And something to come along and we're living and everything's going real well in our life. And something else will happen and it will immediately bring up everything that has happened in our past. Can I get a witness in this house? Every hurt from, well, I thought I had the victory over that. I thought I was okay. You did have the victory over it. But you know what happened? The enemy saw a weakness in your life and he came and targeted that same little area of your life. You have forgiven it and you've put it under the blood. But, but, but the memory of our mind, because we can't truly forget, something happens and it rears right back up in our face again. It's how the enemy works. All right, there's a third reason that I believe that forgiveness is a must in our life. James chapter 5 verse 16, if you want to put it on the screen, James chapter 5 verse 16. Because unforgiveness will lead to physical sickness. Here's what James says. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Get this. Did you know that Studies of modern medicine, these are modern recent studies. Modern medicine has discovered that there is so much connected to the human body being able to heal. That's why they, they create certain environments in, in hospitals. They try to limit the number of people that can go in a room. That's not all because of COVID. They try to keep sound down. They want it to be a place of peace and a place of rest. There's a reason that they put counselors to come by the room and ask questions. Are you okay today? And talk with you. Is there anything bothering you? To try to, because they have learned that inner turmoil, spiritual battles, can lead to the prevention of your body to do what it needs to do in order to heal. They can't put enough chemicals into your body for it to heal if your body is filled with turmoil. Someone was talking to me the other day that had dealt with, that had dealt with cancer and was talking to me about my wife. And they said, does she have the faith? Does she believe in us? And she's believing the Lord. And they talked to me. And here's what they said. They said, when, when you get the diagnosis of cancer, the first thing that happens is like a kick in the gut. Fear comes. And as long as you are living, battling fear, you will never conquer the disease of cancer. But he said to me, when she wins and whips the battle of fear and stops living every day out of fear, you will see a turn in her life, and she will begin to live victorious, not living in fear. Because fear will hinder the healing process of cancer. Unforgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, will create some inner turmoils that even modern medicine and science agrees with. That a bitter spirit can affect your health. Let me explain something to you. 
When you refuse to forgive, you hold forgiveness. You withhold forgiveness. I'm not going to forgive. Whether they've asked for forgiveness or not is, has nothing at all to do with what I'm talking about tonight. The Bible doesn't say if your brother comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you're bound to forgive. It just says forgive those that sinned against you. That's all it says. Forgive those that sinned against you. So in other words, you're telling me, Pastor, that if somebody doesn't come and tell me they're sorry and they're repentant, that it's not okay for me to hold a grudge until they do exactly. Because the Bible says, forgive as your heavenly Father's forgiven. Let me explain this to you. When he went to the cross of Calvary, you had not gone to him and repented and asked for forgiveness, but yet he went to the cross of Calvary with you and I on his mind and paid the price for your forgiveness. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died. So while we are still sinning against God, He died for us. There's an image of forgiveness. Oh, they're not really sorry. Oh, it doesn't matter. That has nothing at all to do. That's, all, that's between them and God. But what God is commanding us to do is to forgive them as our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. So that means while they're still hurting me, I am forgiving them. I, it doesn't mean I'm going to just say, oh, here, just keep come punching me in the gut. Forgiveness is not allowing abuse to continue to happen in your life. But if you've been abused in your life, you need to forgive it because there's nothing, even God can't undo it. You need to forgive it so you can heal from it. If people have talked about you, whether they've come and asked for forgiveness, whether they've changed, whether they fixed it, whether they went back and told all the people that they said lies about you too doesn't really matter. What matters is how you are going to go from here forward. The Lord said forgive them so you can be forgiven. So therefore I'm choosing to forgive them. My forgiveness, here's what my forgiveness is doing for me. My forgiveness is releasing my future not changing my past. So when I, when I ask God for forgiveness, I'm asking Him to forgive my past. But when God asks me to forgive, it is connected to my future. So they didn't come and say anything to me. They didn't come and repent. They didn't come and apologize. They never fixed it. There's nothing. Listen, once a bell's rung, it can never be unrung. It is what it is. You just got to deal with it. The pain is there, the anguish is there, the hurt is there. But there is a point that you have got to make up in your mind. I am not going to allow this to continue to affect my future. I know people and have dealt with people and have talked to people that have gone through pain in their marriage. But if they choose to continue to relive it and relive it and relive it and relive it, they're going to go the rest of their life reliving it and never being able to move forward without the effects of what has happened. But the moment that you can forgive it and put it behind you and declare, I'm moving forward from here, I am forgiving it because I don't want it to affect my future. The, reasons that, the reason that most infidelity in a marriage ends in divorce is because of unforgiveness. And they live in constant, constant turmoil and contention. I wonder why that is. Because they chose pride over forgiveness. Because if there was not pride, there would not be contention. Thus this lesson has made full circle. And I've come back to my very starting point now to try to persuade some people tonight that part of the reason that some of us withhold forgiveness is because we have too much pride and arrogance. We want to make sure that we see them hurt. We want to know. We want to know that justice was served. I had a crazy, my wife and I had a crazy trip home from Texas. We left and started home Monday we got uh, two or three hours north and was driving up a, 
State Road 59. It's it's a four lane road. We came. It was nighttime. We came over a hill, and in the middle of no man's land, and we popped over a hill and around a curve. And I saw a semi leave the road uh, on one side, and then I saw another semi leave the road on the other. And I slammed on brakes, and I saw a light in the middle of the road, and recognized that there was a an accident. Uh, a white pickup had rolled over and there was debris all over the road and the, the truck was just destroyed, the hood was gone, the tailgate was gone, the truck was just mangled and it's sitting crossways in the road kind of blocking the whole road and now we've got semis on both sides of the road, there was really nowhere to go and my wife and I were the first ones to the scene of the accident and first thought, I looked in my rear view mirror and saw, saw vehicles coming and so all I knew to do was just start tapping my brake pedal so that they would see my brakes flashing and I'm trying to nervously find my hazard lights and so I turned my flashers on and uh, the car was paying no attention and Annette was yelling praying Jesus and Philip and Jesus and I don't know what else but it was all godly and I'm rolling my window down and I'm yelling out the window at the man that I see a man sitting up in the truck and he's just sitting there, he's not moving. And I yell out the window and said, sir, get out of the truck if you can. Get out of the truck, you're going to get ran over. Get out of the truck. And the car continues to come and I recognize that the car was going to hit Annette and I so I floored our vehicle and went through the maze of car parts that were laying everywhere. And the car just kind of maybe slowed down to 40 or 50 miles an hour and just went right through the middle of it and gassed and just went on, had no, no concern for anything that had happened there. And I recognized that this particular setting and location in the highway, that this was a very, very serious situation. So I turned around uh, in the road, in the, went up the road backwards uh, with my lights toward uh, two semis that were coming probably 75, 80 miles an hour. And uh, for those of you that went to Texas, understand the back roads at 75 and 80 miles an hour. Uh, speed limits are crazy there. And I put my lights and I started flashing my lights. And at first there was very little response. And then all of a sudden the semi saw that I was flashing lights and, and maybe gave them just enough warning. One of the semis left the road on the passenger side. Uh, on, on the, the other side of the road and one of the semis almost hit us trying to, trying to dodge the, the vehicle and, and I looked up and saw two more semis coming so I went across the road and Annette's yelling and praying and, and not understanding exactly what's going on. I'm trying to stop vehicles because I knew somebody was going to run over this man and I, we flashed vehicles and finally got enough traction on the road that we, we had vehicles that began to stop and turn flashers on and created enough scene that it prevented this man from being ran over and probably without our quick actions uh, the man would have probably been killed sitting in the crossways in the road in his pickup uh, if it had not just been for the quick actions that we had uh, that we had made to try to save and spare his life. My wife is on the phone with 911 and she's calling and we're trying to describe the scene of the accident. We weren't sure who, how many vehicles were involved. We just knew this one vehicle and we saw another vehicle up the road and it appeared there was a semi involved. And so we are, we are trying our best to try to help this man and save his life. And we're on the phone. Please get ambulance here. Get police officers here. We're trying to slow down the traffic. And we're doing everything we can. When all of a sudden, this destroyed pickup begins to move backwards up the road. And for a minute, I was in shock because the vehicle did not look like any way, form, or fashion that it would be drivable but somehow it was drivable. And the man that was sitting behind the wheel that appeared to be knocked out must have come to and started the vehicle. And now I'm thinking perhaps he's in some crazed state of mind and doesn't know what he's doing. And so he begins to drive backwards up a 75, 80 mile an hour road in the middle of the night. And he only had one headlight and it was almost out. It was very, very dim and kind of shining down. So he's kind of driving with no headlights really uh, much at all. 
and there was one tail light working on the truck, and there were things dragging all behind the, the truck. And the man just starts, and first I think he's going to hit us, and he just passed us up and takes off up the, the road backwards with no attempt to try to get over in the right lane. There's a median between us, and so I pull out behind him trying to spare his life, trying to save him. And I'm right behind him, and I'm flashing my lights and trying to hopefully cause this man to come to his own thinking and recognize what he's doing. And there's more cars that are coming, and I weave over out behind this guy, and I'm flashing my lights, high beam and low beam, high beam and low beam, frantically hoping that cars see. And so cars started moving over and off the road, and this guy gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And Finally, he turned down a, a, a county road, uh, or is a farm-to-market road, as they call them in Texas, and it's this little county road, and he just turns and takes off down that county road, and turns on another county road, and I've got a 911 operator, and she says, well, our officers are a ways away, and uh, please follow this gentleman if you, you would. You're not, you don't have to do this legally, but you're helping us if you would, and so uh, I played sheriff, and my wife was deputy, and so... She's talking to she's talking to, to the 911 operator, and I'm following along, and this guy gets faster and faster, and, and I'm driving that suburban, don't tell my mother-in-law, I was probably over 100 miles an hour a time or two, and we're trying to keep, just keep a distance away, and we followed him for several miles off in the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, the man slams on his brakes, turns sideways on the road, opens his door, and... My wife starts yelling, oh, my Lord, he's going to come out with a gun, and I panicked. Um, so I kind of hit the ditch and stopped ways away, so uh, we were protected and prepared to be able to turn around and then run from him since he had been running from me. And so he then drives off down into a, uh, a gravel road just out into the woods and just kind of goes, disappears off into the woods. And I've got the 911 operator on, and I said, Ma'am, I'm not going any further. Uh, I don't know if this man has a gun, and he's now going into the, a wooded area, and I'm, I'm not going to follow him. And so about 15 minutes later, the sheriff's officer finally, they asked me, he said, Stay where you are, because the road he turned down, unfortunately for him, is a dead end road, so he has no way to get out of there. So make sure that he that just keep just stay where you are until the sheriff's officer gets there. And so we stayed, and the sheriff's officer got there, and they got there and turned and took off and went into the woods after this guy. And we left and we came home. And for two days, I've been like. I want to tell this guy that I drove up a road backwards with semis coming to save his life. I mean, we went out of the way. I risked my life and my wife's life to try to save this man, to prevent this man from getting killed. And, and I'm positive that he would have been ran over if it wasn't for what we did. Trying to save him. Now, I'm sure that there were some certain reasons, perhaps, that he did not want to get caught. But after we did everything that we could to save his life, he then takes off and runs from us and creates all kind of problems. And the police officers went after him. And I've been tried my best to find out information because I want to make sure they got him. And I've checked all the local records and I've done everything I could to find out because I want them to get this guy. Vengeance is mine. I put my life at risk and my wife at risk. And I lost over an hour of my travel time playing cops and robbers. And then I realized, my wife said to me as we were driving along, she said, I won't, we have some sort of idea that this man perhaps may have come from a recovery center because it's actually the road he turns down. Turned down is a, a place for troubled men that's been in trouble with the law and instead of jail they go to this 
place called Isaiah 58 Farms. And perhaps he came from there because that's where he went to. And Annette said, I, I want to talk to him. I, I want to get a hold. I want, she said, I want him to hear me tell him that we risked our lives to save him. And if we had not have risked our lives to save him, he would have probably died. But then after everything that we did for him, he then runs away and never says thank you and never. And I said, Annette, what, is this, what does this mean for you and I? Our life goes on. What does this have to do with forgiveness, Pastor? The real issue is, is you can help people and, and they turn around and run away. Sometimes the people you try to help the most hurt you the worst. So you can allow the rest of your life to be tormented and live in pain and hurt and frustrated because your future is destroyed because you're not forgiving and letting it go. When I finally gave them my name and phone number and told them they could call me if they needed to and I finally got back on 59 and started back toward Marshall, Texas. Annette looks at me and she said, I think we need a drink from McDonald's. <laughs> and of course I suggested that we may need a restroom as well. And a couple blood pressure pills. And we drove and we talked and we laughed. And we drove on for a while. I don't really know. I don't really know why or what. I never really thought about it until today. We were almost to, we were almost to Arkadelphia, Arkansas. We're now running an hour behind. And we're out on I-30. And then all of a sudden we come upon vehicles that had stopped. We stopped, we sat there for over an hour, maybe an hour and a half that we sat dead still, car in park. I'm on Facebook, midnight, I-30. Finally to realize that there had been a semi-accident. I don't know, I don't know what all that meant. Maybe, maybe what happened over here when we were frustrated over a guy that we're trying to save his life, delaying us, maybe God said, I need to delay you here because I'm keeping you from something that's going to happen out here. Sometimes we fail to recognize that God puts a plan together and tells us to forgive because he has a bigger picture and a bigger plan for our life. And we get frustrated over this. And this is a setback. And I want to get bitter over it. And I want to get hung up here. And I don't want to go any further here. Listen, I could have never gotten home if I would have kept chasing. Many things could have happened. But we have to choose that there is a time that we have to say, God told me to forgive so that I could be forgiven. What does that mean for me? That means that I'm going to go forward without my past affecting me. Because when I ask God to forgive my past, he says, okay, I want to know if you're going to forgive everybody that has hurt you. Because if you don't forgive everybody that's hurt you, I can forgive your past all I want to. But your future is going to be tied up and held up because you're withholding forgiveness. But the moment that you forgive, what, would, what has the potential to hurt you in the future is now put behind you as well. Because what forgiveness does is when God forgives us, he lets everything in our past go. When we forgive, he lets everything in our future go. And so he says what would hurt you and affect you in your future is now behind you. All things are made new. I've got to wrap up. I've got to go home tonight. Stand with me if you would. This is why the apostle says forgetting those things which are behind. It's not living in denial. It, it hurts. Hurts are very real. Disappointment really doesn't feel good. No one takes rejection lightly. But what, what Paul is saying is that don't keep allowing the things that happen to you 
to affect your future. Forgive it and forgive them. Well, I still remember it. Of course we do. We remember it. That's why we'll never go back there again. But we're putting it behind us so it doesn't affect where we're going. I want to tell you tonight on this simple little Wednesday night Bible study, you don't have to be held in the bondage of your past. And you don't have to allow the things that's happened to you by others to continue to affect your future and affect your, the generations in your future. You want your children to be blessed? Forgive those that have hurt you. You want your grandchildren to be blessed? Forgive those that hurt you and hindered you. Because you don't want anything that you're withholding to affect your future. So the moment that you forget the things that are behind, they're removed from affecting your future. There's hope for you. There's hope for change. There's hope for deliverance. There's hope for closing the door on your past that maybe is holding your, you hostage. Maybe you walked in here tonight not even realizing that unforgiveness is holding you hostage. And you're praying and saying, God, break these chains off of me. And the Lord's saying, the chains are already broken. It's just waiting for you to release forgiveness. And the moment that you release forgiveness, those chains are, go are going to fall off because your forgiveness is based on how you forgive those. How much anger do you hold in your heart toward people that have hurt you? How much resentment do you hold against that person that sinned against you? The past can't be erased. And maybe you can't forget it, but you can forgive it. And you can prevent it from affecting your future. You can't afford the luxury of unforgiveness because unforgiveness eventually will turn into bitterness. Because if bitterness is rooted in unforgiveness, it, it forms, it's shape, shaping out of unforgiveness. So when you fail to forgive, you're planting a seed of bitterness. That not today, you're not going to see it today because it's a root, it grows slow. And it comes from the soil, and it comes from the earth, it comes from where you've been. And it'll begin to grow up and everything in your future is going to be affected by that bitterness that you have allowed to be planted by your lack of forgiveness. I want to tell you tonight, if there's anything in your life you ever wonder, can God forgive me? Because I've done some horrible things. Let me ask you this. Can you forgive others that have done horrible things to you? Because if you can forgive them, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Oh, pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know the hurt. You don't know the pain. Oh, I do. I do. I've walked with some of that pain. I have felt some of that pain. I could share you personal stories tonight that I'll refrain from that would cause some of you to be in absolute shock of some of the things that I've had to forgive and walk away from because I don't want my future to be affected. I want my kids to be affected. So tonight, I choose to forgive. Lift your hands toward heaven right now with me all over the room and just ask the Lord to help us. Help us to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Help us to walk in the spirit of forgiveness to where that the things that have the potential of holding us hostage, those chains are broken before they ever clamp around us, before we're ever held into that captivity. We're going to learn to forgive it now. Lord, we're forgiving others tonight. We're forgiving situations. We're forgiving things. Come on, let your prayer be heard right now. Lift up your voice. Lift your heart up to the Lord. Lift your heart up to the Lord. Lift your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Renew in me a right spirit, O oh God. Create a clean heart within me. Make me over. Let this song be your prayer. 